Hello, my nonprofit unicorns. Real quick, if this podcast has helped you at all in the past year, can you do me a favor and leave a rating and a review? This helps the almighty algorithms determine that my podcast is worth showing to new people. I appreciate it and I appreciate you. Now on with today's show. Hello and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nonprofit Nation. Welcome back. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. This episode is going to be fantastic. We're going to talk about how to tap into your unique strengths and flourish. So it's kind of a different topic for the podcast, but I think it's going to be very valuable. I know it will be. And my guest is Rachel Fry, a certified positive psychology coach, which I think is something that really intrigued me when she introduced herself to me. And she's also a certified international coaching federation coach, as well as the founder of the coaching practice, free to flourish. Her background is in teaching and working in the field of environmental science, coaching soccer, and as well as scuba diving. So she's kind of a woman of all trades. Currently in her work, she helps motivated individuals who are ready to make professional changes into work that aligns with their purpose and deep interests, which is fantastic. She's also a podcaster So if you like podcasts, I hope you do, you're listening to this one, and listening to other people's stories, I recommend checking out the Passion Stories podcast to hear how people across the environmental, creative, social impact, and wellness industries went and go after their career dreams and carve out their own professional path. So Passion Stories, just look for it wherever you're listening to this podcast. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the introduction. Yes. And I know you have a nonprofit background, a little bit of a nonprofit background. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So my bachelor's originally was in environmental science and I worked at a couple of different nonprofits. The Chesapeake Bay Foundation is the local one here in the DC area. And then I also worked at another one called the Cape Eleuthera Foundation in the Bahamas. And that was at that's where you learned scuba diving maybe yeah that's where I was I was able to teach scuba diving which was a lot of fun and the Cape Luther Foundation has a school and marine science and research center so most of the work I've done in the environmental field is in education so I am a little well versed with the nonprofit world but specifically in that field that's fantastic and I know that for us we met on the progressive exchange listserv which if for my listeners, if you're not on this list service, fantastic. We were talking about it earlier. It's a lot of emails, but there are some total nuggets of gold 
And that's really how we met. And you introduced yourself as a positive psychology coach. And I was immediately intrigued. And I, of course, I did a little bit of research, but for my listeners, what is positive psychology? Why is it relevant? Why is it helpful? Yeah. And I agree. I like that listserv. I think it does connect you with a lot of different people and industries. I know that at least we're interested in. But yeah, so positive psychology, I like to break it down because a lot of people, when I say that, you know, just in conversation, people I'm meeting out in the real world, their initial response is intrigued, but also not exactly clear on what it is. So it's it's an applied science. So anything that is done in research or anything that they're gathering data-wise can be immediately applied to your life, and which I appreciate a lot. You know, anything that any findings, any research, any tools that, you know, this field is coming across, we're able to use to help people improve their well-being, improve their mental and emotional health. So positive psychology is essentially looking at what is right with people. So focusing on when they're at their best and looking at like group and individual flourishing. The field recognizes negative emotions. It recognizes weaknesses trauma, all those things. It's not ignorant to those. It's just also saying, okay, we recognize that there is a time and place when we need to look at what's wrong with people, fix it, whether it's trauma related or anything else that therapy can address. And I'm a big advocate of therapy. Most of the clients I work with have done therapy (laughs) and I definitely encourage it, whether you've gone through extreme trauma or not, I think it can give you tools to you know, deal with a lot of anxieties and depression issues that I think people are faced with, especially with a lot of the chaos going on in the world. But positive psychology is sort of this other part of psychology that's saying, okay, let's look at what people already do well. And how can we take that and take people from like normal functioning to optimal functioning? And like I said, it's an applied science. So we're using tools and things that have been measured and use in studies and experiments. And that, that way we're able to apply it to now we can use that to help people. And that's what a lot of what my coaching is rooted in. I love that. Yeah, tell me more about your, your coaching. So how can we apply this sort of framework of positive psychology to our work with in nonprofits? I think it's incredibly relevant. Right. So I wanted to, well, I wanted to get into that, but uh, initially I wanted to just talk about strengths. So the a lot of what positive psychology is rooted in is, again, like looking at what we do well and the terminology used as strengths. So there are different patterns of feeling, thinking, and behaving where when you're engaging in them, you feel energized and excited. There are different character strengths, and we all have ones that we naturally do well. And they're often things that we discredit or overlook because they're things that we just do so well naturally that we think, oh, that's not that big of a deal or that couldn't possibly be a strength. And they are. And I think especially in our society where there's a lot of pressure on being a certain way, adapting certain characteristics, especially if you're in leadership roles. And I want to touch on that in a minute with the nonprofit world. But you know, people have things that they do naturally well, but we often focus on the negative with ourselves. You know, we are often our worst critics, but we look at our weaknesses and think, oh, I need to improve on those. I need to strengthen my weaknesses and get better at them. When actually positive psychology is telling you, you need to look at 
your strengths, what you do naturally well and focus on those and engaging those as much as you can in your personal and professional life. And when you're engaging in your strengths, you're going to feel more energized. You're going to feel authentically yourself. And that's kind of the beauty of it. And when you talk about looking at how people in the nonprofit world can benefit from this, one of the notes I made for this was, you know, people in the nonprofit world are often people who are passionate about what they're doing. So they're sort of riding on that passion and that's why they're in their field. And they're often people who are overworked and quite frankly, underpaid. And so the strengths piece could be really important, I think, for people in the nonprofit world because you're utilizing your energy in an optimal way. So if you're looking at your strengths, you can analyze like what you do well and then focus on how can I engage those day to day in my professional life. If you think of it as like a gas tank, like running on empty or full, when you're engaging in your strengths, you feel energized afterwards. You don't feel drained. And I think oftentimes we're you know, we do have to do things we don't really love or feel like they don't come naturally to us in our, in our work life. But if you can make little shifts, if you can try to focus on engaging your strengths more, that will help with that energy. And I think burnout, you know, that's something you talked about too. When we're engaging in our strengths, we're going to not be experiencing that feeling of burnout and feeling of drain at the end of the day. And you come home and all you want to do is lay on the couch because you're just so mentally and just like emotionally exhausted. And that is not actually how you will feel after you're using your strengths. I'm thinking of a book that you probably really like, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, where he talks about living, trying to live as much as you can in your zone of genius. I talk to my clients a lot about this. It's like your zone of competence, your zone of excellence and your zone of genius. And a lot of us, I think in the sector, we don't have the time and the bandwidth and the white space to live in our zone of genius, which is what you're talking about. It's where you're really accelerating, you're really accentuating your strengths and kind of minimizing the things that you don't like. I mean, some people love spreadsheets, right? Some people love going in and doing data cleanup. It's not for me, but some people really like that. And I know you talk on your website about authentic strengths. So I think a question I have for you, you know, you say a strength is simply something you're good at and enjoy doing. But I think for a lot of us, and especially when I read The Big Leap, I had trouble really figuring out, was it a strength and a passion or was I just good at it? Or is it something that I know how to do? Like, how do we really figure out what our strengths are so that we can build on it and sort of, you know, accelerate and grow in our career? Right. Yeah. And that's a great point. And I think people over the years develop skills that, you know, they think they need and they've developed them so well to like a mastery level that they think that might be a strength. But one of the things that I like to ask clients before even doing any assessments or anything formal is to think about a time or something you've done that you're really proud of and think about that experience and then kind of break it down and look at what were you doing? What were the patterns? Like look for patterns in that experience. It could be a big or small experience and Think about when you felt the most energized. So a bit like bursts of energy. And that's usually an indicator when you're using one of your natural strengths. 
and not just a skill that you've developed or have used for a long time. So when you think about that experience, breaking it down, looking at what you can kind of identify different characteristics that you were able to use. And then what I like to suggest is, I mean, if you want to focus on your work, look at each week and think, how can I make small changes to start to use these strengths a little bit more and focusing a little bit less on what I'm not doing well and instead engaging those things where you have those bursts of energy, where you feel completely like yourself. And that's usually a good kind of small step way to make changes rather than, you know, for somebody who's not looking to make a big career change or big life change, you can start making these little adaptations. And a lot of it is just the initial step of self-awareness. And then the next step of just how can I intentionally make these small changes? And then, you know, constantly check in and think, how am I feeling afterward? Am I feeling energized? Am I feeling drained? Do I feel like myself? Do I feel like I'm trying to be somebody else? I think specifically with leadership roles too, people often feel like they need to be a certain type of personality in order to be in a leadership position, which is actually not true. And you can look at your own personality and think, what what do I do really well? And then how can I then take that and use it in my leadership position rather than feeling like I need to be this really loud, talkative person or extroverted person who gets up and inspires people, motivational speaker, like that's not everyone's leadership style. And I think especially in those roles, people feel like, oh, I'm, I need to, I need to be like that. So now I got to fix this thing in myself rather than, okay, what is a natural strength you have? Are you empathetic? Are you somebody that's creative? Are you somebody that listens really well? And those are all great leadership qualities as well. I am a huge fan of personality tests. (laughs) Not surprising because I'm an Enneagram eight, which I don't think would really surprise anyone who knows me or has worked with me or talked to me for five minutes. Yeah. Like the definition of bossy, but uh, the Enneagram eight is, you know, the challenger. And I'm just a huge fan of this because it's not like a horoscope when you read it and you say, Oh, that's me. It's when you do something like the Enneagram, it actually gives you advice. So if you're, if you pay for a program, which I did, it gives you advice on how to be in the world and, even how to apply for a job. It gives you advice on how to interact with people in teams. Like there's a lot of things there that people can learn. So do you do strengths finder? I know a lot of my listeners have done that. Do you recommend personality tests just kind of as, as something to help you define your strengths and, and see maybe where your career will take you? Yeah. Strengths finder is a good one. Like I said, I think the first step before doing any assessment is you know, using that tool that I mentioned earlier, like looking at a specific example of when you've done something you're really, really proud of, and then breaking it down and kind of dissecting what was going on, what happened. But the personality test that I like is called 16 personalities. I think the website is actually 16personalities.com. And that one is great. It does break it down through the Myers-Briggs lens, but it, it goes into a lot of detail with different facets of your life. So professional, personal, and there's a whole section on career. And 
I think the biggest thing with some of these assessments, what I hope that people are leaving with is sort of a new level of self-acceptance and thinking, okay, this is who I am naturally. I don't have to keep fighting it (laughs) anymore. And now how can I start embracing it and then using these awesome natural skills that I already have toward my professional life? And I think if you're using the assessments in that way, they can be a really great tool. So in this environment we're living in, maybe it's called the great resignation. Maybe, I mean, there's all sorts of different terms for it. People are looking to make their next career move. Oh, I meant to pull up the statistics, but the last statistic that I saw was 75% of fundraising professionals are planning on leaving their job in the next like three years. And then something like 50% of fundraising professionals are looking to leave the profession altogether. And I'm sure a lot of people listening have their next career move in mind, or maybe they're already (laughs) working on it. Maybe they're talking to me on LinkedIn. Maybe they're on progressive exchange listserv looking at, you know, kind of stalking and skulking around the job description. But you work with individuals who are looking to make their next career move and have it aligned with their passion and purpose. So, and you also work with people that are currently in their career who are happy with it, but they're just looking to build on their strengths and leadership skills. But in this kind of environment, what would you say? I mean, do you think that understanding our strengths, how can that help us make our next career move? Yeah, I think, and you know, it's funny since we've, you know, been through such a unique time the last few years, people who I, some of the clients I worked with, they either got laid off because of the pandemic or they quit or, you know, something happened. And then because there aren't a lot, weren't a lot of distractions, you know, we're all kind of sitting at home a little bit more isolated than normal. And they had that time to think about, okay, well, I actually wasn't even happy in that job to begin with. So now what do I really want to do? And I thought that was kind of interesting that people hit that point during such a crazy time. And I think it was great, like kind of a blessing in disguise, people you know losing their job or something not working out, but then having this space to think about, okay, what do I really want? And I think we get so much feeling of purpose and meaning, we can at least in our work. And I think it can be a great opportunity to be engaging in our strengths. You know, when we are engaging our strengths, especially with work, that's kind of when we can hit flow state more. And there's a lot of benefits like boosting our confidence, increasing happiness, reducing stress, being able to accomplish our goals more and improving work performance. So if you're at a point where you do want to make a career pivot, whether that's leaving your profession, entering a new field, entering entering a new role completely, or if you want to start your own venture, having that foundation of understanding who you are and what you do well, will I think help you go down a path that's more sustainable. Like I mentioned earlier, when you think about your energy, we only have so much energy to do the things we need to do each day. Outside of our professional lives, we all have our personal lives, like chores, kids, you know, relationships, whatever else. And so there's only so much energy to go around to do all these things. And when you think about 
your professional life, that's a great opportunity to be doing something where you feel like yourself, you're able to show up and engage your strengths, do what you do well naturally for the most part, and then doing something with meaning and purpose. Um, and, you know, the whole idea of meaning and purpose is rooted in positive psychology as well, because there's so many studies that say when you're, when you're engaging and doing things with a higher purpose where, you know, your work feels meaningful, it's going to improve your overall mental and emotional well-being. And I think for your listeners, most people who are in the nonprofit world, that's a huge drive of being in work where they feel like they're giving back, they're supporting and working toward a bigger cause. But I think sometimes the piece that's missing is people aren't thinking about what they naturally do well, like what their natural skill sets are. And so how can you kind of shift if you're ready to make a career shift? How can you put yourself in a position where you're able to engage your strengths and then do work that you care about? So I have a really good question. So I want to set it up because I firmly believe that fundraising and marketing should be separate positions. Everyone, people have heard me say this. I know a lot of organizations can't afford that, or maybe there's one person, it's a founder at some point, you know, I'm a staff of one here at my own business, so I get it. But at some point we do have to realize we can't do everything. And especially with fundraising and marketing, I think they require such different strengths, like fundraising, you're a nurturer, you are a relationship builder, you want to like go deeper with people. You're much more of a people person, in-person events. Marketers, I feel like take risks and are looking for the next shiny new thing. And they're really willing to be provocative and just they're, they're willing to like just take more risks, I guess. And they're, they might understand the audience that they want to attract and build in a different way than the fundraiser does. So if you are stuck in this position where you're kind of managing all of these things, how, what do you recommend, Rachel? Like, how do you advocate to your boss? How do you talk to your boss or how do you talk to your supervisor or maybe just a colleague you're working with and say, you know, this is not really my strength. Like you're not going to lead with zone of genius, which is kind of what I would do, but (laughs) how do you recommend bringing up and starting these conversations in the workplace? Right. And I think that's a great point. And I think we're hopefully entering more of a phase in our society where these kind of conversations, emotional intelligence is something that people are looking for when they're interviewing people. And then when you are interviewing for a job, thinking about the company culture, is your boss somebody that's impressionable? Are they going to listen? Are they you know, wanting to, do they care? Are they invested in their employees? And so the hope is that you have people in management that are open to these discussions, are open to having these conversations. And I think two organizations hiring people to come in and do these kinds of assessments, like at the leadership level, but then also at the employee level can be really powerful as well. But if you know you're an individual, go in and talk to your boss and say, this is where I think I'm the most beneficial for the company, for these are my natural skills. This is what I know that I'm doing really, really well at. And I want to keep doing these. And how can we make little, like, again, focusing on little changes, not trying to overhaul your whole position all at once, but thinking about what small changes can I make 
to start engaging in those strengths. And then, you know, having that conversation with your boss. And then as a team, if you're working with a team, looking the ideal situation would be to have someone at the executive level that's on board with this kind of discussion and this kind of maybe these changes and then looking at your team and thinking who does this well, who does this well, and how can we start delegating tasks based on what people, where their strengths and where their higher skill set is. I have friends that are in the design, graphic design, marketing world. And I, I think that we're sort of lumping a lot of responsibilities under one position now, like, like especially with graphic designers, they're like basically becoming the entire comms department, which is totally unrealistic. Because that's not their strength. Their strength is graphic design. Right. Yeah. You can't be doing, like you said, I think it's a really good point with the fundraising differentials with fundraising and marketing and very different skill sets. It's the same as if somebody's really good at their job and then there's an opening to be at the managerial level and they get bumped up. But now they're in a kind of a different skill set because managing people versus just doing your job well are different skills. And I think it would be uh, the ideal situation is to be able to have these discussions at work and then having that time to self-reflect, looking at what you do well, when are you having those bursts of energy at work when you feel like you're in flow state, and really break it down where, because a lot of people, we tend to overlook our strengths and we think, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Like I, I don't think that that's even a strength. And so really breaking down everything, like what you're doing that feels so easy that to maybe somebody else would be not something they would even want to do. <laughs> and so if you can look at that and then talk to your team and say, how can we start focusing on what we do well and delegating tasks in that way. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Oh no, it does make sense. And I talked to Joan Gary who works a lot with nonprofit leaders, specifically executive directors and founders. And she talks about empowering your staff and she actually, you know, you're echoing a lot of the things that she was saying. So I think that it's important to know that people you know, not everyone is the same. Not every job is going to be the same. And you need to give people, even if their job is, you know, administrative assistant, and that's fantastic and really important work, give them something that is their passion. Like maybe they like planning events. Maybe they want to help plan the gala, or maybe they really want to graphic design the annual report. Maybe they're a photographer. Like you just never know what their real true passion is. And as much as you can bring them to the workplace, I love that. And you have a podcast called Passion Stories, which they're, I mean, tell us about Passion Stories. I'm not going to even try to describe it. It's so, it's wonderful and amazing. I'm very addicted to these kinds of podcasts, learning about how people are kind of eschewing the nine to five and like what they're doing and how they do it and how they make it work. So tell me about this podcast. You know, I went into it not thinking I was going to start a podcast, and which is I think kind of the best way to start things when you sort of, they just sort of organically evolve. And I've always been really fascinated with people's stories and I've done a bit of traveling. I've lived abroad. And so whenever I was intersecting with people from different backgrounds, it was really cool for me to hear about what they're doing, why they pursued the things they did. And I love reading autobiographies, memoirs, 
So it's not even something I intentionally set out to do, but it sort of evolved in this really cool way. And I started having conversations with people and I wanted them to share how they were able to pursue or go after maybe that was this professional idea or dream of theirs and make it happen. Because I think a lot of times things start out as these ideas way in the back of our mind and we're afraid to even vocalize them because there are some dream killers out there. I, you know, people that as soon as you bring up something that might sound a little unorthodox or unrealistic, people will say, Oh, that's not, I don't think you can do that. And, you know, I think people get a little afraid because there is that risk involved in doing something different. And I like these stories because it's not like people in them were invincible to self-doubt or obstacles or challenges or anything that could have gotten in their way, but they share where they started, like where things started as this idea or maybe this thing of like, oh, not really that happy. I feel like I know I could be doing something more than this. And then how they went from that thought process to actually taking action and then landing themselves in a position where they're they're feeling fulfilled. They're feeling like they have a professional position where they are using their strengths and doing things they're interested in and using their natural skill set. So I like this, this podcast because it's a series of conversations where people get to share their professional journey and people who didn't do things by the book, I would say like a step-by-step ladder. And I think that's where people need the most support and inspiration because if we want to do something different, we want to solve a problem in the world, or if we want to create something or pursue work that feels better for us, there's so many things telling us that this isn't possible or it's going to be too hard or that's not realistic. And so I I remember reading an article recently they're saying there's actually science behind listening to people's stories and how they can inspire us to take action and believe like, oh, I can actually do this for myself rather than someone just telling you, oh, you can go out and do that. If someone brings up an idea, like if you hear someone else who you might see part of yourself in them and you're hearing that they were able to go after this dream of theirs, you know, make a career change, start their own thing. And it has such a positive impact on their life. When you hear that, it's going to inspire you and give you ideas and get you energized and motivated to hopefully make the same changes. And I tend to focus on people in this environmental industry, social cause, wellness, health and wellness, and then creative industry. So those are the people that tend to come on and share their story. And it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> it's it's pretty casual and supposed to be something that is not a super formal thing where you know people are just listening on a conversation. I always like to say it's it kind of reminds me of these conversations I had when I would be backpacking or traveling and meet somebody and having beer with them at the end of the day and just talking about our lives and like things we want to do and having those conversations that <laughs> where you leave feeling like energized, inspired and that's that's sort of the model that I've created <laughs> off of. <laughs> Well, stories really connect us and they help make, like you just said, intangible ideas tangible. You know, people think, oh, I I could never do that. And then you hear someone's story and you say, oh, there's elements of that that really resonate with me. And I'm a huge proponent and fan of storytelling. I teach it. I teach it to my clients. I love it. And I know that it 
first of all, is one of the one of the best forms of communication because people actually will remember and process the information much more much more quickly and effectively than simply throwing out a bunch of data and, and statistics. So I love that. Storytelling, everyone knows how passionate I am about storytelling. Listen to the Passion Stories podcast. So Rachel, where can people find out about you and your work and sort of sign up for the process, sign up for the positive psychology process? Right. Yeah. So I am probably the most active on LinkedIn. And then I do have the Passion Stories podcast with my coaching practice, Free to Flourish. And I also want to say if anyone wants to keep up to date with things going on, wants to hear about future trainings, workshops, um, I do in my e-letter, I include initially when you sign up five positive psychology tools that based on research that you can immediately implement into your life now, like I said before, to um, help with your emotional and mental well-being overall and I send that out a couple times a month. So nothing where I'm pouring into your inbox all the time, but if you know, you want to keep up with that, that way. And I do offer a couple of different coaching services. Like I said before, with people who want to make that career change or people who are wanting to build on their leadership skills, there's a strengths analysis that I have. And then my focus has been also looking at partnering with different organizations and seeing what their needs are to support their network and their employees or people working within that organization. I really want to be able to help people that are trying to create positive change, whether it's in their own life or also with causes they care about. And I think positive psychology is a great foundation to use to help people with those, those goals. Yes. Thank you so much, Rachel. This has really been enlightening and inspiring. And thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode. But until then, you can find me on Instagram at juliacampbell77. Keep changing the world, you nonprofit unicorn. Thank you.